What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. And where we're right, there's no rebuild. We're shooting for the playoffs. We're shooting for the play in a game and a half out of 10th right now. Coming off impressive victories against New York and Dallas. And now going into a date with Steph Curry and the league-leading Golden State Warriors, uh, followed by the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks. But we're going to beat both teams because this team is really weird. This season is really weird. And it's just, you never know what... (sighs) The paces are like a box of chocolates, Forrest Gump. Uh, You never know what you're going to get. Um, Alex, what the hell is going on? It's just the most patient thing of all time, isn't it? What did I say last episode, mate? We all root for them to lose and they win. So uh, there, there is absolutely no winning when you're a Pacers fan, sadly. But you know what's funny? You separated play-in and playoffs there, Adam. What, what are you talking about, mate? They're the same thing, aren't they? Isn't the play-in the playoffs? I will never, um, ever, ever admit that the play-in is the playoffs. <laughs> the play-in is the play-in. The playoffs are the playoffs. You, you make one uh, or the yeah. other. Yeah, you uh, if you're not good enough to make the playoffs, you are not a playoff team. Last season, we were not a playoff team. I am so strong on that. I don't care if you finish 10th. Um, yeah, that, that means nothing to me. That's not a successful season. Unless you're trying to lose, in which case it's still not a successful season because you're 10th and you get the 14th pick. So you're just exactly. in that wheel of mediocrity. Um, but, I mean, look, the Dallas win was impressive, wasn't it? Hmm. Well, actually, like you know, I think the last three wins have all been pretty good. I feel like they've controlled the game from start to finish. Levert, we've been talking a ton about him. He's been really good the past week. Maybe a trade rumor sparks some uh, fire in him. I don't know. Sabonis has been putting up the uh, all star numbers we've seen the past couple of years. So it's yeah, this Pacers team makes zero sense. Everyone says the same thing. Uh, you know what's funny though is that you know I look at the Pacers and we've been really bad, but then I look at the Knicks. And yes, they have RJ Barrett out the last couple of games, but man, they look really bad right now. They they might be in a worse position than we are paying Fournier and Kemba Walker the uh, the money they are. So maybe it's not all doom and gloom as a as a Pacers fan. We're a half a game out in the loss column from the Knicks, which is bizarre given the the difference in the way that they've played versus the difference in the way that we've played. Um, I want to talk about O'Shea Brissett. He's finally getting some burn. Lloyd Pierce taking over his coach. Hopefully. Uh, Rick Carlisle can fight and beat COVID fairly quickly. We've seen our best to Rick Carlisle. But um, O'Shea Brissett's been really good. He's been an energy guy. And um, this is exactly what the Pacers need off the bench in that backup sort of small ball power forward role to play with either of the centers. I mean, he did get torched a little by uh, Kristaps Porzingis in the block uh, against Dallas, but overall had some really nice dunks, some fast break points. Like he, he was quite impressive and Justin this is the sort of player that we wanted to see all season but for some reason he just wasn't getting the opportunities yeah it's very weird that bench unit for the Pacers it's it's hard we we haven't had a consistent rotation coming off the bench uh for a while where you know back in the day it was or back last year it was just Justin Holiday, uh Jeremy Lamb coming off the bench it's, it's been a bit sporadic this season um like I was thinking what's happened to Tory Craig like he was like our leading sixth man off the bench now he, he just gets no game time. I, I actually like Tory Craig. I don't know what what why why he's in the doghouse. Um, I know what you're saying, Adam. O'Shea Brissett deserves minutes. Love seeing him play. But, um, yeah, not sure what's happened with Tory Craig because I, I thought um, 
he had a fantastic game at Brooklyn earlier in the season and he's kind of just fallen off the face of the planet after that. Yeah, it's a bit weird how hot and cold the coaching staff has been with certain players. Like, you know, they've they've been cold on Gogol all season. He hasn't had a consistent amount of playing time all season, which is, you know, no different to the last couple of seasons. Unfortunately, I think his career's uh, heading toward, at the very least, a trade, um, if not worse, uh, in later in the yeah. season. But Tory Craig, you know, to your point, had, I think, a 20-point game early in the season in the first couple of weeks. He was playing good defense. He was a guy that Rick Carlisle would go to in relatively important moments um, over Justin Holiday and over TJ McConnell in a lot of these situations. And now he can't seem to crack the rotation, whereas O'Shea Brissett, was the complete opposite. O'Shea Brissett was not called upon. His number was not called barely at all in the first month of the season. And all of a sudden, now the last couple of games, he's found a role and found something he's really comfortable with, which is ironically the same role he had last year. Energy go off the bench, you know, hitting the three every now and again, getting some dunks. You know, he's he's going to be mismatched by seven foot three powerful like he was against Dallas. But apart from that, he's going to compete and he's going to give it his all. And he's a young guy on a really favorable contract I think you would be uh, doing your roster a disservice if you didn't try and feature him in the rotation somewhere, because I think that's the value that you can get from that roster position. And it also potentially makes guys like Torrey Craig and Justin Holiday more expendable as you go into trade season as well. If you can rely on a guy like O'Shea Brissett to come in as, I guess, your first forward off the bench. I mean, when we're trying to put together potentially trade packages, that has to be considered that you've got a guy that's making, you know, one, $2 million a year and he's producing well above that. Alex, it's, it's kind of a luxury. Yeah, it is. And the two guys you mentioned there, like Justin holiday, I think he has pretty good trade value. Like all honesty, if you're a contender, he can come off the bench, knock down shots and play some defense. Same with Tory Craig, Jeremy lamb, maybe has no trade value anymore. So uh, maybe not throw his name in there, but, you know, we, we talk about energy a lot and TJ McConnell, he's not coming back for a few months. He was like the only energy player on the entire roster. So I think O'Shea fills those uh, those boots a little bit in that sense. He hypes up the crowd. It's almost interesting. I saw someone on Twitter say that their theory was that O'Shea really struggles on the road because he doesn't have that home crowd energy and he feeds off that a lot. So I don't, I don't know if there's numbers. He doesn't have a lot in the up. field house right now either with about <laughs> 9,000 people per game. So Jeez, that is, he probably has the same amount of fans on the road, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's an interesting thing. I thought it, probably reading into it too much, but maybe. Yeah. It's just really good to see a young player like that crack the rotation. I mean, Isaiah Jackson's kind of in and out. He hasn't found a home. Duarte uh, is obviously starting and, and has been featured at different points through the season. He, he's definitely cooled off, though, over the last few weeks. It seems like the, the pace of the game has probably caught up to him. If you look at his stats, he's you know shooting a, a lower percentage, which you would kind of uh, expect from a rookie, not the more efficient games that he was having earlier in the season. Uh, so it will be interesting to see you know, as the season progresses, regardless of where we are in the standings, is there going to be a move to play younger guys? Um, is there going to be a move to play a Brissette over a Craig? Is there going to be a move to play Isaiah Jackson over Goga if minutes are required from a backup big? Um, is that the direction that the coaching staff is going to lean uh, lean into to see what they've got? Uh, Keelan Martin's another one. I mean, he's been a key member of the rotation now for about a month. Um, and Rick Carlisle's really favoured him 
as uh, a guy to come off the bench and, and provide some meaningful minutes. So we're seeing a lot more uh, diversity, I guess, in the rotation over time, which is not a bad thing, but uh, it is interesting to see how the role players are utilized. Um, let's move on to off the court stuff because inevitably in this season with the Indiana Pacers, you're going to talk about off the court stuff. And, and there was a Miles Turner article that came out after we recorded the last episode Um, and there were some interesting quotes in that article. that got a lot of attention. There was a lot of commentary on Miles' place in the team and in the franchise, a lot of really uh, strong opinions on Twitter, as always, when it comes to Miles and Domas. It's it's clear to me that for some reason, you can't actually like both. You have to just like one. Um, you, You can't think that both of them are valuable. You have to... Um, value one incredibly highly and then the other is just trash and should be traded for future second round picks Um, but Miles wants a bigger role on whatever team he's on including the Pacers so um, I think uh, putting aside the box score bandits Justin that look at Miles's rebound numbers and think he's a trash player what were your thoughts on his comments overall reading them in context of the whole article rather than just a tweet of a 280 characters saying one of his comments out of context. It's really interesting, isn't it? Um, It's also, firstly, I'll say it's funny how, you know, a a lot of NBA Twitter says how trash Miles Turner is, but then when he's up for trade, how, how many of them fans actually want, want their team to go get him. I always find that pretty hilarious, but um, more to your point, Adam, I'm a bit on the fence about this one. Like, I, I agree with Miles, what he's saying. I, I do, like, from his personal standpoint, if it, if I take away my fandom side where I think, oh, you know, pace is first, as Miles as a person, I 100% get, his, get what he's saying. Um, you know, he's been here six, seven years. His usage was highest uh, under Frank Vogel when he played with Paul George. So for him, I totally understand why he would be frustrated. And you saw his interview when he said, hey, I've spoke to... Kevin Pritchard about this. I've spoke to Rick Carlisle about this. I've spoke to the teammates about this. Um, I'm not just coming out here and just saying it and everyone's going to be surprised. I've had in-depth conversations with everyone. So I do understand where he's coming from, but there is about, um, I don't know, a bit of me that thinks, you know, you've got to own it. So if you want a bigger role, own it. You think guys like, you know, I'm not putting Miles in the same category, but you think guys like Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, um, you know, even Carl Anthony Towns, Jokic, Embiid, these guys would just be like, oh, I just want a bigger role. They'd just go out and get it. Um, so I am a bit on the fence about it. Uh, I want him to be a pacer for life because, you know, he's one of he's the only um, starter we actually drafted. So I love him to stay. But, um, yeah, I'm a bit on the fence about it, to be honest with you. It's an interesting one because you're right. You do kind of think about the player and then you also think about your own team. And I mean, the fact of the matter is that whoever has been running the team, coaching the team of which there have been three different coaches, none of those three coaches have felt that Miles uh, should be a feature player in this offense. Now, are three coaches wrong Um, or is Miles right? Of four coaches, really. Um, so four coaches Miles has had over the last seven seasons. None have featured him significantly in the offense to the point where he is, you know, one of the top two, three scorers on the team. So playing devil's advocate for a second, there's, you know, it's not just Kevin Pritchard, for example, over the last seven years that's been necessarily holding him down. That's, um, you know, something that's that's crept in over the last, um, over seven years. 
Uh, and then you've got Domas. I mean, it's not Domas's fault that he made the all-star team twice. Um, and it's not his fault that he showed enough talent to be able to be featured in the offense, you know, to be able to get his teammates involved. He's a great passer. Uh, he does get a lot of rebounds, but he does score quite easily inside. Um, you know, I think we've been some of the most vocal um, supporters of Miles over the last few years, and it would come as to uh, no one's surprise that I think all of us are in agreement that we want to see Miles on this team moving forward and that we think that he has a lot to offer in terms of uh, his ability to hit the open shot from outside, his ability to block shots, his ability to potentially take other parts of his game to another level if he wasn't playing with another big all the time. But um, it, it's, it's kind of difficult at the same time to take what he's saying, Alex, and say, oh, you're 100% right, you should get the rocket every opportunity. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know what's funny? I think just about every Pacers quote this past week got taken out of context. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. just from Miles, but from, from just about everyone. So, I don't know. I don't want to read in too much to it. I think for the most part, it's just about role clarification. That was really the biggest thing. Um, and it's not just him, by the way. Like, there are... They're times this season where Sabonis has been underused like which sounds stupid to say but it's the truth right like there's times where Miles will be standing in the quarter for six minutes in a quarter and I'll be like this doesn't seem right like you know this guy's shooting almost 40% from three you should probably use him a little bit more but yeah I think at the end of the day uh, role clarification is probably the biggest thing but you know if we're talking about quotes you know I thought Kevin Pritchard's quote got taken massively out of context yeah. uh Obviously, he, he came out and publicly apologized and said that he apologized to Sabonis. I'm going to uh, read that apology just so everyone knows exactly yeah. what Kevin Pritchard said because we've got a lot of li uh, listeners that are on Instagram, Facebook, other platforms that don't necessarily use Twitter. And this was Kevin Pritchard's full response to the quotes that were, you know, in context in a wider article, but taken out of context as part of tweets, which is kind of the nature of the beast when it comes to Twitter. Um Kevin Pritchard said, quote, although I don't respond much, I thought I would give my two cents. First of all, I believe in all our players and hold them to the highest of order. In all honesty, I believe we have multiple, quote, stars on our team, but I know we need more. We have challenged our players to be better. The point especially was so believe we can close, close games at higher levels and if we do our record, we'll reflect it. Could I have used better word than stars? Probably. When you get interviewed for hours, you're probably going to slip up. I speak with our players every day and I felt bad for using that word. An appropriate apology was sent. No one believes more in this team. So uh, look, an appropriate response from a guy who runs the team. 
ultimately Justin, he um, took issue with, I guess, the context to which his words were, uh, were attributed. And ultimately, uh, he meant what he said and he said what he meant. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've said on the last two podcasts, I've wanted to hear from Kevin Pritchard for a fair while. And like I said, it's premature 20 games into the season. You don't hear from a you know, president of basketball operations from a team just because they're struggling. But I'm glad he's come out now and given some pace offense and clarity. Although I am still more confused what this team's direction is. I, I don't know. I mean, poor pace fans are just getting rumors and quotes and, oh, don't read too much into this. And well, what are we actually doing? But from Pritchard, um, I'm a huge fan of him. Look, has he been a perfect president of basketball operations? Probably not. He's probably made mistakes, but he owns them. Like, you know, he came on our podcast and apologized for what he said about Lance Stevenson. So I think he can reflect and say, oh, you know, I made a bit of an error there. I probably need to apologize. And the way I look at it is I try and look at it from everyone's perspective. So if I'm Sabonis, yeah, I'm pissed off at what he said. You know, I'm a two-time all-star. Like, what? You don't want to build around me? I'm a star putting up, you know, Jokic and uh, Embiid numbers every night. And you're saying you don't have a star in your building. But then I'm KP and you're building this team and you're watching your team lose games at the end of the fourth quarter every time, yeah. choking leads and uh, attendance is at an all-time low. So KP is right with what he said. We do not have a star. So instead of probably, I don't know, a lot of the fan base might take one side or the other, maybe just step back and reflect and go, hey, both people can actually be right in an argument or a situation. Um, and, yeah, I believe I believe that's it. Um, look... Wait. Let me just say this. Plenty of players have played in the NBA and been stars, but not won games, not won a lot of games. And, you know, Stephen Marbury springs to mind. Michael Redd springs to mind. Guys that made all-star teams, guys that, you know, were the face of the franchise, were the guy on the marquee outside the arena, but the team wasn't winning. So does that make them trash? Does that make them terrible players? Absolutely not. Not at all. Does it make them not the right player to win lots of basketball games? Yes, because you need specific players to win basketball games in the current modern game. Domas is a back-to-the-basket big man that you know plays most of his basketball down low. Could he thrive on Denver? If, if Jokic wasn't there and Sabonis was, would Denver be in the same position? Probably not quite yep. as good, but... Yep. The way, the way I look at it, I don't know, Alex, you can back me up or not. The whole pace is starting lineup. You could not say there'd be a third best player on a championship team. Maybe Sabonis is second, but that's that's as far as you can go. Am I wrong? I think Brogdon could be a third best player. But yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's no third, oh, okay. yeah, 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 first yeah, or yeah, second yeah. option no, on a championship team. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. We've got... I, you know, you could make an argument that Domas would be the third best player on a championship team. Malcolm the same. Miles could be probably fourth. Yeah. Uh, Karras could probably be fourth. Uh, TJ Warren probably fourth or fifth. And then you've got role players. So, you know, we have... And and the, the thing about it is, though, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Domas's all-star births were, were a fluke or were wrong. He was an all-star in the East. He was one of the best players in the East. The problem was his team didn't win enough games. That's what it's all about. Like you can put up numbers and you can dominate some games, but your team still loses at the end of the day. Like sometimes those numbers don't mean as much as they do for other players. 
Like, you know, if Domas is averaging a similar number of points and rebounds to Joel Embiid, but yeah, Joel Embiid's team has won a significant number of more games, that probably means that Joel Embiid's a bit better than Domas Sabonis. That's just kind of how this works. So, you know, I'm not saying that Domas is a bad player. I'm not even saying that he's not a winning player. We don't know because he's the situation that he's been in over the last few years has meant that he can't necessarily succeed and win lots of games on this team the way it's constructed. That's not to say that if he went somewhere else that built around him, that he couldn't win lots of games. But right now on this team, he puts up numbers and we don't win. That's that's just the facts. Like it, it doesn't make him a bad player, Alex. And that's like two things can be true. Domas can be a good player, but he may not be the right player. Yeah, well, you know, Justin was talking about closing games and well, like outside of the Celtics game at the start of last season, I can't remember when Sabonis has hit like a clutch shot. Yeah. Like that, that's what I'm so, so you know, again, I, I feel bad because we're talking a lot of crap about him, but he's averaging like 20, 12 and five. So I don't want to talk too badly about him. But when we talk about having a closer, like you look at some of the other players in the league and guys who, you know, you want leading, leading a championship contender or a, not even a championship contender, like a team that you want to win playoff series with, like the Pacers don't have that guy. So I think that's what KP was really trying to say at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, Victor Oladipo won games in the last two minutes. Paul George Mm -hmm. won games in the last two minutes. Danny Granger won games late. Reggie Miller, one of the greatest clutch players of all time. Like the Pacers have a history of having wing players that can perform in big moments. And like it or not, that, the game has kind of been dominated by those players for the past 30 years. You're all the way back to Magic Johnson. There's always been really, really, really good guards or wings that win you games at the end of the game. It's very, very rare to have big men that can, you know, win you games at the end of, at the end of the game since the nineties, since the, the heyday of Shaq, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon, you know, then Tim Duncan, uh, since then, I mean, you, you've got Jokic, you've got Embiid, uh, you've got Anthony Davis. I wouldn't call a player that wins you games in the last two minutes. Like the the game currently is dominated by wings and, and Justin, our wings just aren't really good right now. No, they're not. I, I personally, the last few years, I always laugh when Pace is going for a game winner and sit back and relax and go, all right, let's, let's watch what <laughs> yeah. they come up here. Yep. Majority of the time, it's a turnover or... A five-second inbound or something hilarious that I've never seen before. And I obviously watch a lot of NBA and then I flick over to another team and Lillard's hitting a half-court shot for the win or something like that. So, um, yeah, it is frustrating. But um, I want to touch on, I know you probably were in Adam, uh, soon, Adam, but um, what Scott Agnes said on his podcast, and that was he he predicted Karis Levert to be the first pacer traded. And um, we have mentioned him. That's obviously news... Agnes knows because he doesn't run with anything without sources or anything like that. So um, he did mention Rick Carlisle's kind of been beating him up in his post-game interviews later, building his trade value. So, um, yeah, interesting to get your, your guys' thoughts on A, if, if he'll be moved by the deadline or, or B, um, who, who we could possibly get in return. I'm not surprised. Well, he hasn't fit in well. Like, uh, ultimately, he hasn't been shooting all that well. He hasn't seemed to fit well. He's clashed with Domas. Like, you know, it's not say that he's not a good player. He just hasn't fit with this roster and with this team very well. 
Um, the way that he plays is very offensive. He doesn't tend to play a two-way game. Um, and that doesn't really suit what this team has built and is trying to build and will continue to build. This team will always favor two-way players, which is probably why, you know, Duarte has probably looked better in a lot of games than Levert has until recently where Levert's, you know, uh, become more efficient. But Alex, I don't, I don't really know what we can get in return for Levert. I think he's got this year and next year at 16 million. I think that's you know, a reasonable number, but like, you're not, are you getting a first round pick for Levert? Maybe, maybe like a late first. I, don't know. I saw, I was going to say, I saw a tweet today from a Cavs writer. Obviously, like, I have no idea how, you know, real these rumors are. Twitter rumors, Twitter sources, everyone has them apparently. But um, this guy said that the Cavs were interested. I've heard the Mads were interested. And the Cavs guy said something about Sexton, who's injured right now. I'm like, Jesus Christ, why would the Cavs give up Sexton for the word? That seems insane, right? Like, if we could get uh, Colin Sexton, even as a restricted free agent for Karis LeVert, I don't know about you guys, but... Uh, Does Colin would, Sexton would not have the same problems, though? Like, ultimately, he is mm, a better scorer he's, than he's Karis a, LeVert. But uh, well, my thing is, though, he's same. also five years younger. Yeah. So, you know, there's room, I think, to grow as a playmaker for him, whereas what? LeVert's probably reached his ceiling. So, I don't know. Would would Pacers not get an injury prone player? That's exactly. that's why I thought the funniest part of that rumor was Sexton got injured this year, and I'm like, yes, on the Pacers radar, boys. Oh, let's go. <laughs> I'm surprised it hasn't been uh, Sabonis for Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> Look, 20, 22 years old, uh, you'd be silly not to have a try if you could. I mean, last year he averaged twenty four points a game, only four assists as a lead guard, but shot fifty fifty uh, from two. Uh, 80%, 81% from the line, 37% from three, which is, you know, they're good percentages. He can clearly score. He can score a lot better than anyone on our roster right now from the perimeter. Um, I wouldn't be against it. I mean, it would show that the paces are trying to kind of, kind of retool, but um, yeah, selfishly, it would probably hurt us in the short term, which is not necessarily something that we've, <laughs> something we don't want to happen we kind of want to uh miss the playoffs this year because we've got no chance in the playoffs this year and it feels really weird to say that out loud particularly on the show but i mean you got to be honest guys I, I i don't i don't want this team to make playoffs i want another lottery pick i want another young player i want some hope I want some more hope and right now i don't think there is one move that could be made um outside of trading for another first round pick so we own two first round picks to enable me to have that hope. I mean, Justin, that's kind of the only way that this is going to result in the fans being somewhat excited for what's going to happen next. I mean, Alex summed it up perfectly last week. When you want them to win, they lose. When you want them to lose, they win. And that, that that's a life of a Pacers fan. And I just, you know, if anyone from the front office listens to this podcast, I just pray, just plead, please make a move. Because this like whole four-game winning streak, oh, if we beat Golden State, um, you know, we're back. It's like, I personally, I don't know the proper word. I'm not offended, but I'm a bit pissed off that it's taken all these rumors and kind of trade requests and quotes for the team to kind of start playing. But yeah. I unfortunately think they're not playing the right way. It's all for themselves now to go, oh, I might be out of Indiana soon. I need to, you know, do my trade value up and I want teams looking at me. I've noticed small things like that on the court, which hasn't been too pleasing for me. So, um, look, these things can go either two-way. Either the teams blow up and they all hate each other. Thank God it hasn't been like that. They have all stuck together, it seems. The locker room seems quite tight from from what I've kind of seen and heard. But, um, 
it is frustrating. I, I just think make a move. This this win streak means nothing. You have to rebuild. If if Pacers don't make the make a deal by the trade deadline and they're stuck with this roster and we come 10th and lose a play-in, I'm sorry, I, I would have to ask questions about front office slash management then. It, it, it's a failure. To finish 10th and lose the play-in and get the you know 12th, 13th, 14th pick again is an abject failure. You cannot say that this team is one move away from championship contention. It's probably five, six moves away from championship contention and three, four years away from championship contention. And it starts with getting good young talent in that results in either production over and above their salary or trade value. Because ultimately, if you let the starters walk, even if you get nothing for them, if you fill those spots with rookies that are on you know, seven, eight, nine million dollars a year each, all of a sudden you open up some cap space to be able to sign some value. You're not going to get a superstar, but you potentially are going to surround good young players with valuable role players that are going to outperform their position. And we're never going to get a superstar unless we draft one. Let's be well, honest. You're right, Adam. And, you know, we're a bit doom and gloom. And as Pacer fans, you kind of boiled in your DNA, but you think, Five years ago, did Toronto fans think they were about to win a championship? Ten years ago, did Golden State think they were about to win three championships? Did Phoenix fans five years ago think they'd be in the NBA Finals? No, none of them did. They would be all the same as we're feeling right now. So you don't know what the future holds. In five years, Pacers could could be like a Toronto or a Golden State or a Phoenix Suns or Milwaukee Bucks. They didn't think they'd draft Giannis. Um, but you're right, Adam, to do that, we have to do it through the draft, don't we? Look at what them teams did. Milwaukee drafted Giannis. Golden State drafted Clay, Steph, and Draymond. You know, we it's small market stuff. It doesn't take us brain scientists. Like, you just got to do it, don't you? And, and you talk about Toronto in particular, and I mean, I'm sure the Pacers would look at it and say, you know, if we just made one move like Toronto for a you know super, superstar, even if it was only for one year. The thing is that Toronto had won playoff series. So they were in a good position, Alex. I mean, they were they look good. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> they were a lot closer than we were. Let's just say that. But you know what, though? At the end of the day, even then, they were losing every year to LeBron. They were u- losing every year uh, in the playoffs. They said, no, like DeRozan's a franchise loyalist. Uh, everyone in yep. Toronto loves him. But at the end of the day, like to get better, we have to trade this dude. Even though we know we're never going to keep a guy like Kawhi Leonard, doesn't matter. Even if it didn't work out for them, I still think that was the right move a hundred times out of a hundred. Uh, they never in their franchise would ever have gotten someone like Leonard in free agency. They knew that. So they traded for him. You either have to do it through trade or through the draft. And that's uh, the only way for the Pacers to get it done. Yeah. And you look at the other pieces on that team, Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Lowry, you know, they were all either had by trade or the draft. There was no OG, OG. You know, OG I, I didn't want to bring up his name in another podcast, but um, yeah, you just look at all the successful teams and one of two things have happened. They have drafted a superstar or LeBron James has decided to play for them. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. it's the only two things that have mattered the last 15 years in the NBA draft a superstar or somehow get the best player in the world to want to play for your franchise. That's that's it. Um, are we are we rebuilding or not? Someone tell me. I'm, I'm sitting here more confused than I was last week. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, 
the kind of the point of this podcast is we still don't know. Um, and, you know, I think I'll leave you with this. We will only start the rebuild with a trade until we make a trade. We are not rebuilding. Yeah. So let's not act like we are until that, that Woj bomb comes up at 4am our time on a Wednesday morning to say, the Indiana Pacers have agreed to trade X player for Y. Until that happens, we are not rebuilding at all because there is no move that we have made to signal that. Unless we make that move, then we are stuck on the treadmill of mediocrity uh, until the franchise gets a call that it likes or makes a call that it likes. At the end of the day, Alex, that's kind of where we're at, right? We're kind of in purgatory until something happens. December 15th. That's the date to look out for. I think that's when players can start getting traded. So... Uh, I think after that date, let's hope for a Woj bomb, boys. That's all I'll say. Yep. All right, guys. Let's uh, kind of hope for something to happen over the next week. And when it does, we will be with you. We'll bring you in another episode. Uh, we have been the Paceroos. Uh, good luck against Golden State. Kind of hope Steph gets the uh, the record against us. But regardless, let's hope we at least try. We've been the Paceroos. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.